Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am Nate, your Dungeon Master, long-winded dude with too much time on his hands. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. One note, I decided to narrate the last few minutes of this episode because we roleplayed it out and it ran rather long. I don't normally do that, but I'm eager to get us back to the action. Time to get moving! Last time on Carrots and Suffering... Our heroes located and investigated the bandit hideout in the swamp outside of Highlock, methodically searching it and concluding that it was now abandoned. Axe in one hand, torch in the other. All right, I'll call down if there's if it's safe, but just in case we've missed something, I don't want to go up altogether. Agreed. I'll ascend the stairs. Our heroes met the denizens of the swamp, the lizardmen, and traded with them. Vulain says there are six lizardmen approaching. It is unusual for them to be coming out of the swamp. In a way that we can avoid an engagement, or... Are they surrounding the treehouse? Our heroes dumped out a filter of love into the swamp and happened to dose the Allfather, an ancient gargantuan crocodile, and ended up walking home without their boat. I don't care if we decide we want to keep these or not. I want to take that filter of love and dump it into the river. <laughs> for the Allfather? I mean, sure. I don't think. I'm pretty sure it's just going to get diluted and be useless. I am trying to dispose of it. Well, I'm gonna roll you. I'm gonna roll you a d20. Coercing things into love is not something that I believe in, and I think many would agree. It's a minor blasphemous item. I'm I'm yeah. up for destroying oh, hey, it. Yeah, I rolled in that one. So. Uh oh. What does that mean? <laughs> You fed it right to the Allfather, and now he's in love. With me. <laughs> okay, let's get back into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your Dungeon Master. Hi, I'm Mandy. I play Boulaine, the Grave Domain Death Cleric. I am Claire. I play Creedon, the Love Warlock. <laughs> I'm Robert, and I play Zerus, the Barbarian of Law. You march back through the swamp. It is long and tiring. You spend a lot of time getting very wet. But at least it's not cold. It's a warm wet. It's buggy. Ugh. But, you know, it's a swamp. Around the second day of you marching back, in which you are almost there, you see the lock open and a string of six different trade vessels one after another, slide out into the river and begin making their way down to Turtle Bay. You also see, when you get up to the lock, as you're about to cross into town, someone has taken the liberty of hanging up a couple of bodies. You assume as a warning, and in case you don't know who did it, there appears to be a hand axe lodged in each one of them. Hmm. Which would be not Mary. Kaima. No, it's, yeah, Kaima, the fixer. Are they the bandits that Zerus killed? Yes. That now Kaima is claiming those kills? Interesting. Kind of. You know, Kaima's done her best to make a clear indication that anyone who tries this in the future will get chopped. So, you're back in town. I assume none of those bodies are Frikers? No. Okay. So, do we decide if we're keeping these potions, or are these also in the we need to find who owns them? Because, you know, I think that some healing potions in these pains could be really handy. We do have the invoice as to who owns them, right? You have a shipping manifest only for the potions because they were still in there. Right. Crate. Does the manifest say what shop they go to? 
So the manifest lists a trade location in Turtle Bay. They might have a local office in High Lock. You'll have to dig into that. That seems like a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So my thought is first, let's stop by Birdie's. It should be quick. He should be gone. Yeah, when you stop by Birdie's, it is empty. The sign that says Birdie's Curios is still there, but the building is empty and a little card is there saying for sale. Baby shoes. (laughs) But that appears to be, he's selling his stall, which is sort of a shop more than a stall, but (laughs) the building. So good. That at least got sorted. Do we want to go straight to Tanglebeard? Say, hey, Frikes is in jail. Let's get that. We should probably talk to... What's his name? Bardish. Bardish. Yeah, we should probably talk to Bardish first. I would like to see what's become of like. I would too. Let's go ahead and talk to Bardish. It has been three days. I would like to know if they are planning to try him here or if they are Mm. planning to send him to the capital. I'm guessing here. All right. Or if they already have. Yeah, Bardish will have all that information. So we'll go to the jail. Okay. Yeah, you pop by the jail. There's a couple people on duty, including Khan Bardish, who has a boatload of paperwork out on a desk. He looks up as you come in and says, hey, there's my, there's the heroes. Come in, have a seat. Doing the right things never without consequences. Look at that mountain. Yeah, yeah. Well, good news is I'm doing it and you guys are doing your part and everybody's going to be happy in the end. So how can I, how can I help you folks? Well, first is what's the news? Yeah, so the Frikers gentleman is going to be sent with the next caravan headed north, which should be here in about a day or two, up to the capital. They're going to have him tried in Astrogar for piracy. Apparently, it's very important to them that it all happen in a very public way. And it looks like the lock is open again for business. And the lock is open again for business. And, which brings me to my next piece of business, he stands up and says, let's take a walk. Of course. All right. Gentlemen, I'm going on patrol. And they nod and said, sure thing, you need any help? And they're like, no, no, I've got the heroes with me. Everything will be fine. You get about a block away from the jail and he says, all right. So without, I probably don't need to say the the lock is back to collecting fees. So what are we going to do about that? Well, we still need to work from the top down. We found some evidence, but it is weak and we want a stronger case. Okay. I think you mentioned that Tanglebeard himself might have some paperwork somewhere. Well, there's a couple ways we can go at this. Tanglebeard probably has ledgers. I mean, I know he has ledgers. I've just never gotten close enough to look at them. I'm sure that we will find evidence there because, I mean, it's it's not even a secret. It's open operating procedure. The other option is we could try to hunt down records from the people who are paying. Mary seems to be an incredibly fastidious person. It's possible she has really great records. Unfortunately, Mary also has some skills around keeping things safe, unlike Chester. Thoughts? Well, it sounds like the original plan to take Chester up on the spa day would be our best bet at tossing his house. Mm-hmm. I lean into Boulain and Zeras just so that Bardish can't hear us. Um, and I say, should, should we show him the ledger? I mean, maybe he can make more sense of it than we can. Actually, I was thinking that of Frikes, unfortunately. Frikes has already had a lot of time with it. That's true, and he still is alive. We could ask him to point us to exactly where the discrepancy is. We're huddling apart from Bardish. Yes. We're just whispering to each other right in front of him. (laughs) You're walking down the street. You can pick a moment when he's waving and saying hello to somebody else. Bulane says, I would like to point out that 
Frikers seem to think highly of Bardiche and plan to promote him when he succeeded and stood on top of the hill. This is implicating Bardiche. Which part? It was the letters that Frikers was writing prematurely. No. Assuming he won. In one of them, he was going to name Bardiche. He was going to promote him to city captain or something like that. There was a proclamation. Yeah, I mean, we knew that they were allies. Yeah, I know, but this is written documentation suggesting that relationship. This implicates Bardiche legally. I like Bardiche. The ledger doesn't, but the proclamation document at least implies that a armed revolutionary thought Bardiche was pretty cool. I don't know if we should, you know, mess with Bardiche or try to blackmail him. It seems like he may be one of, I mean, he's not he's not necessarily an honest man, but he's one of the preferable ones in town. He's the best person in town, yeah. I am only saying maybe we should have reservations about showing him everything we found. Well, yes, I, I think so. But I don't think a conversation with Frikes is out of... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, I think, agree with you that I, I think speaking with Lake would probably make the most sense since he obviously had this ledger. And I think just none of us are quite well studied enough in accounting to be able to read this book, but perhaps he's a bit more familiar. Do you have any idea where Mary would keep her books? Mary does all of her work in her office, which I cannot stress enough how very likely booby-trapped that room is. Mm. Noted. Bardish, do you know if any consideration is being given to Frikers that he is nobility? Oh, none. No, no. There's no preservation of nobility in any of our laws except for one small note, which was an initial treaty between the current mayor of North Bank, who was allowed to keep his title for the rest of his life, provided he not pass it to anybody else. Is that the arch stage? Archsage Mason, yes. He was required to give up his noble titles, so he chose the title of Archsage and was given the title of Mayor. But he is the last hmm. of any acknowledgement of noble titles, so there's there's no standing for that at all. He's he's on the way out. Well, what happens when we find the documentation to incriminate Chester? Do we arrest him? You could arrest him. Captain Mav Lacarac, despite the fact that he is a hierarchy-driven lackey, would probably do the arresting for you if you had the evidence. He is well-intentioned, if unambitious. Another option is just take it straight up to the capital, and they'll call Chester. And he will either flee or show up willingly. Can I roll insight on Xeris to see if he actually thinks that we're going to do any of those? Sure. I don't know if you're attempting to hide it, but I'm just kind of eyeing you to see if I think that you're going to just try to murder him. <laughs> sure, no, no problem, no problem. Oh, no. Well, I got a five on my insight, so I probably... Well, yeah. <laughs> Unless he's dripping vengeance. <laughs> no. You don't. No, no, you can't no. really tell me. His anything. sweat reeks of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> One more question I have is, I don't want to spook anybody yet. So if Chester gets taken down, will that spook Mary? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I imagine if Chester goes down, Mary and Miri will lay low for quite a while and see if they can't work out a deal with the new mayor. And if Mary goes down, do you think that'll spook Chester? I doubt it. Chester is confident, if nothing else. He's gotten away with this for a long time. I thought so, too. Yeah, Boulain will nod her head and say Chester can take the high horse of being the mayor and washing his hands of anything he was involved in. So it's not like we should start at the bottom and work our way up. 
I mean, I think we should just go speak with Like. Have him help us point out the evidence. Go to our spa day. Yes. Which is very important that we don't blow all this up first before doing that. And then, I don't know, get Chester arrested. We don't even need to deal with all All the lock people. That's my opinion. The moment we catch Chester, Mary will destroy her records. That's my concern. Well, and if we need extra evidence, then before we arrest Chester, we'll make sure that this is enough legally. All right. I agree. The next step is Like. Go in the path of least work. I see that. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> so Bardish will say, all right, get you to talk to Like, but we're going to need a little bit of a cover because if the other men get wind of this, one of them will happily inform. Mm. That that we're talking to Like? Well, we need a reason that you're talking to Like and they're not allowed to stand there and listen to you talk to Like. I have an idea. I could offer... In light of the likely trajectory of his trial, I can offer to do his last rites for him, which would include an opportunity for him to make a confession. Just to me. No one is allowed to be present for that. About what's in the book. Well, presumably a confession of his life's sins and secrets, but... <laughs> that I mean, that too. But I could give him... If we made a copy of the ledger that we found, I could give him that copy and ask for his help in interpreting it. Sounds good enough to me. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. You arrive at the jail. Khan Bardish pulls rank, tells them that the death priest has arrived to deliver last rites. The room seems actually pretty happy about this outcome. They were expecting this person to get some kind of death penalty. After all, he literally murdered a guard. So they accept this without question when he says, and it's a very private thing, so we actually need to give them as much space as they need. That raises a little bit of skepticism, but not enough that they're going to actually make an issue out of it, not against their lieutenant, and so they back away. Elaine will happily lay down all her weapons and anything she has on her that would potentially help, like, if that's an issue. I mean, you can put on a little show of doing this in a very safe and official way, um, and I think that's that probably goes over just great. All right. You get to the cell. Do you want to be in it or outside of it? She'd rather be in it. Okay. So Khan Bardish will unlock the door and let you in. They have, like in a jail cell, they have a manacles holding his hands down at waist level and a chain that wraps around his waist so he can't pull them up to his mouth. And they have a a little gag in his mouth because he's a spellcaster. Mm. You know that he doesn't have his spellcasting implement. Right. Yes. They don't care. Uh, which she handed the bow over to Creedon, by the way. Okay. She didn't go in there with the bow on her. <laughs> She's not that stupid. That'll keep him from teleporting out of his <laughs> Yes. I'm going to keep small talk with Bardish. Okay. I'm hanging out with Zerus and Bardish. Okay. Bulane, what do you got? Bulane goes in. She looks at Bardish before he walks away and says, I will need to remove the gag. All right, just put it back. So she goes and she takes the gag out of Lyke's mouth and says, Master Frikers. Did you find it? We did. Excellent. I assume you'll get it to the right people then. We need your help. (laughs) How so? She will take out the ledger and sit down next to him and say, I need you to help me make sense of this. Oh. And I assume you have had more time to make sense of it than we have. Yeah. I've had a couple of weeks with it. So turn to page 20 here. Okay, she does. All right, so this page is interesting because it has six months all on one page, and you can see the same payment coming in every month right here. He can't be sort of gestures from his waist with his fingers. Mm -hmm. Right here and here and here. So 
these don't correspond to anything, even though they're not labeled. They are the Thieves Guild payments. So this would be the Badgers, and this number's the Weasels. And I'm assuming these extra payments are merchant bribes of one thing or another. All right. Out of character, looking at this ledger, these are unmarked payments that he is assuming are Thieves Guild payments. But they're unmarked, and that therefore that doesn't prove anything. So... You were not able, you didn't know the context, so when you looked at this, you weren't able to tell what the hell any of this was. He has now told you what it is without it being labeled. Okay. So you can look through it now and see patterns. Okay. You have a sense that this is pretty incriminating. Mm -hmm. It's still not great evidence. It's still unlabeled numbers in a ledger in Chester's penmanship. Circumstantial. Legally, it could mean anything. (laughs) It'd be a little hard to pin the bribery charge with this alone. You would need somebody to testify against him or a cooperating piece of evidence that's better documented. We would need the books that Chester has in his house that reflect this stuff. So one thing to remember is this is one of those books. So do not expect other books in Chester's house to be of better quality. Right. You will get more evidence Mm -hmm. getting Chester's books, but you won't get better evidence. She says, if we were to take his ledgers and compare them to, say, the city treasury records, these would be the amounts that would be missing from the city treasury. Because the city treasury is not going to have any indication of this money. So Exactly. If he is logging these payments... Oh, you can definitely prove that whatever these payments are, they didn't go to the treasury. That you could do. All right. You wouldn't even need to go to Chester's for that. You just need to stop at the records department. All right, that might be an intermediary step. Then you're proving that Chester is taking in money for what you can't really quite prove. So you still need a witness. All right. Or a a set of of documents. Right, okay. From someone who may have received these payments, yeah. Or give them one of those. Like, I need to ask you about your relationship with Bardiche. Yeah, what about it? Well, in discovering this ledger, we also discovered some premature letters and documents and proclamations you made upon your assumed victory. Hmm. And one of those was an intention to promote him, which, given your situation, is a bit implicating for him. I have had three meetings with Khan Bardish. In all three of those meetings, I asked him to apply pressure to the Thieves Guild and to look for evidence against them. He has been trying to do that. Unfortunately, my understanding is that his leadership team has been in the way. His own leadership team. I don't believe Captain Mav Lacarac has the the wisdom to do something like this, and Chester Chester has those guilds as untouchable. Alright. Do you want to write a statement exonerating Bardish in case this comes up? To be honest with you, at this point I'm having a hard time caring what happens to Bardish. He's been guarding me for two days. He's made no sign that he was any sympathy at this juncture. Apparently, someone offered him a better option. Understood. Well, ostensibly, I am in here to give you your death rights, since you are likely headed to an execution at the end of the line. (laughs) Would you like me to administer those? I'll take a pass. All right. If things go my way, maybe I won't die. And if they don't, I'm not feeling great about our relationship. (laughs) For what it is worth, like, I do not entirely disagree with you and what you tried to do. I cannot do much to help you because you are in fact guilty of piracy and murder, 
but I have made many friends of the pirates in Turtle Bay, and I know the intentions that are at heart for some of them, and I think you are one of those. Well, I appreciate the deathbed sympathies. If it helps, Amy, you can finish my work, probably in a better way than I was able to do it, and I'd appreciate it if you did that. Well, we are doing our best. Thank you for your help with the ledger. She put her veil back to come in and talk to him, and she'll put it back in place in front of her face. And she will get up and she'll knock on the door, wherever, whatever signal she needs to give that she's done. Yep, Bardi, she'll come unlock the door for you and let you out. Close it. All right. And she turns and looks at Frikers and says, I wish you speed on your journey, Master Frikers. I hope it comes to a better end than we think it will. He just gives you a pretty stony look. And Khan says, did it go how you needed it to go? Got what you needed done? Done. Our business is done, yes. Excellent. Well, thank you. I know Chester's expecting you. He's for sure rolled out some kind of feast. Do you know if he has a time he's expecting us? Right now. Knowing Chester, probably not. You just pop in. He'll throw a party whenever you're ready. All right. We Should we come up with a game plan for what we're going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I think as we leave, I'd, I'd call a huddle. I know precisely what I'm going to do. <laughs> Craven goes, whatever else happens, we're taking baths. <laughs> <laughs> the baths come first, and then the subterfuge. <laughs> Before we go to Chester, I feel like we should visit Mary first. All right. Are we huddling, like, in an in-room or something? I assume we'll be, like, parted ways with Bardish and... Probably in a street corner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not in the jail. Boulaine will take out the ledger and show Zerus and Creedon what Friker showed her, and say it would be a good step to go compare this to the city treasury and find the discrepancy because that will be damning by itself. That's the other reason why I was thinking Mary because mm. she will have the other side of this. Agreed. Do you also share that somebody offered Bardish a better deal than Like did? I was assuming he meant us, but <laughs> I was assuming he meant us also. Wait, what did we offer? Oh yeah, we were basically like, sure, you can take over. <laughs> I forgot. Lulaine will lay out the conversation they had, including her probing his relationship with Bardiche, and she says, I, unless they are playing a two-man con job, he seems to have soured on Bardiche, because it sounds like Bardiche has other loyalties. Bardiche's loyalty is to his ambition. Agreed. But as Stryker sees it, he has been guarded for two days and given no opportunity to escape, and that has soured his view on Bardiche, unless he was lying about that. Actually, can I retroactively roll insight on that. Sure! Thinking back on it, was he lying? Ooh, 21. Thinking back on it, he was not lying, no. He was hoping Conbardi should get him out, Conbardi should not. So, he, you genuine disappointment. Okay. Vulaine says, I think Frikers was counting on Bardish lending him a hand to get out of jail, and that has not happened. That's definitely a point in his favor. Unless Bardish is playing some weird long game, I do not think we have to worry about him. Just some Creedon? No, no, I just didn't realize that the other loyalties was likely us. I had forgotten that we <laughs> had basically told Bardish he could run the joint as far as we cared. <laughs> so if we go to Tanglebeard's first, Chester's first, we can't take aggressive action. At all? Not without losing Marie and, and Mary. Fine, fine, let's go get more evidence, but you have to promise me that when we do have the evidence, you'll 
keep it in your sheath <laughs> so that we can get our spot day. My intention is to go to Mary's under the guise of getting payment or reconciling debt because we've taken care of this problem for her. Somehow, through, let's call it adventuring, get her books, and then hopefully she ends up in jail or dead. Once that's done, we can go to Chester and say we've taken care of all the problems, take the spa day, see what evidence more we can gain against Chester, and then afterwards, send Chester up the river as well. We can say that we are asking about how things are resolving, if they're having any more problems. She might also have a record of all the manifests, and we did say we wanted to check up on that, so ah. we could go in with that too, say we need to compare. If it's hoping you'd forget. <laughs> we don't have to tell them about your damn carriage <laughs> but now we can use that to our to our advantage and see if they match up right okay so off to mary's so one second creden are you running point on this then sure the main talker i could do that you are a good talker i'm pretty good at speaking yes <laughs> an actor i hear <laughs> Divine Mercy Drama Club, is that what you Youth said? Drama Club. Youth Drama Club. When I was young. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, without further ado then. Okay, you arrive at the guild. As you step in, it is midday, things are in full swing. The lock is in full operation, which means the warehouse portion, which last time was full of people, is actually pretty empty. They're out manning the lock and managing the opening and closing of the gates. So this room is reserved for working with parts and fixing things. And at the moment, doesn't seem to be anybody here. You know that up the steps is Mary's office. So you get up there and the door's hanging open. Mary is sitting at her desk and Kaima is sitting on the desk. And as you get to the doorway, Mary says, oh, come in. I've been expecting you. Before I go in, I uh, want to briefly huddle and say, so what exactly is our reasoning that they should pay us as opposed to, you know, we did do the job that we were hired to do. Tanglebeard is supposed to be the one to pay us. So I suppose what is our leverage here to get them to want to throw us something for our troubles? We quickly fix their problem and now they have business. Without us, they would have no business. Well, yeah, but the problem is already solved. Uh, yeah, she has a point. We are already getting paid to do exactly that. So why are they going to pay us extra money to do what we're already being paid to do? Ostensibly, you do still need to look at manifests. Oh, yes. Okay, the manifests was the plan. So you have a secondary reason to be here if getting paid isn't one of them. Okay, yes. I grabbed the manifest sheet from the, the crate that we were looking at. Oh, I'm going to have to give up all my potions. Again, we might be able to talk merchants into letting us keep some things as rewards. That's true. Yes, I will, I will then open the door and enter. Yeah, so you, you walk in and Mary says, Welcome! I appreciate you all keeping Kaima safe during her antics. <laughs> it's just said with ice on the edge of her voice. <laughs> as a note, I just casually kick the door closed as we walk through. Just like with the heel. Nobody seems to notice. But Kaima was perfectly safe and able to handle herself. I don't think that she was in too much danger. Quite a capable fighter. Kaima says, nope, just a couple of poor swamp bandits. Yes, that was all. <laughs> that was the extent of it, yes. And Mary says, great. 
how can I help you folks today? You've already done a great service. What can I do for you? Well, we were able to recover what we believe to be some stolen goods. We found a manifest and we wanted to uh, be able to review your log of manifest to make sure that we could find the owner and return the items. Oh, yeah. She stands up and walks over and begins pulling some books off the shelf. She sets one down on the desk and says, all right, so this is the stolen manifest log. They have been listing items stolen. She spins the log around and pushes it across the table and says, um, so what you got? So question, is the manifest what we're actually looking for? Or are we looking for the ledger? You want the ledger. We're looking for a ledger of payments. Okay. Where did she pull this out from? Roll me investigation, because while she was fiddling around <laughs> her shelf, oh no, you could glean important information. I got a twelve. Natural one. Oh, I got a one. I got a one. Ones all around. <laughs> okay. <sighs> so Claire and Mandy, Creedon and Boulain each spot a book on the shelf, and you are certain <laughs> that that is the one. Clocked it. That's a great book right there. That's that's definitely going to be the one. Manchand that so easy. <laughs> Robert, Zerus, they don't have labels on the bridges. She seems to just know by color which one she's dealing with and relative size of the book and ledger. So you'd have to actually sit here and go through them. Yeah. Okay, well, while I have the manifest book, I am going to look through it and try to find the owner of it. There's a number of stolen things. You actually can identify several items that you saw while you were in Bertie's shop. You also find that there is two shipping companies of note. One we will call West Ocean Trade. West Ocean Trade lost a shipment of potions that matches this description perfectly. And then another one called Southeast Isles Trade. They lost an art object that sounds suspiciously like your chariot, your little unicorn-pulled carriage. Actually, if they're doing a lot of business in Turtle Bay, I wonder if that's something she's heard of. I'm sure you've actually heard of all of these companies. They are large enough to do regular business in Turtle Bay. They are headed by a Turtle Bay coin lord, which is the unofficial city name for a guy who's fucking rich. So we have multiple accounts that Mary is extorting protection money. So Conbardish and like Frikers both have told you that Mary runs the trade that extorts protection money and that Kaima is the leg breaker. The payments to the ledger, were they in or out? These were payments made to Chester. So from the guild to Chester. From the guild to Chester, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Shoot, I'm trying to think of what I can do to actually get to see the ledger. Find a discrepancy in the in the manifest. I'm going to attempt to uh, persuade her to show us the ledger. Uh, I want to say, oh, I hope this isn't, no, this wouldn't be an intimidation. You see, some of the items that we recovered, Mary, they, well, we are concerned about the legality of some of them. And we just want to make sure that everything mm. is above board. Is it possible to be able to review your ledger as well? To see... Just make sure that the manifest and the ledger match. We're trying to gather some evidence to possibly build a case against one. She raises a super skeptical eyebrow. Please give me a disadvantaged persuasion. Disadvantaged? That's cruel, Dungeon Master. Right. 
<laughs> and I don't even have inspiration. I can't undo it. This is not something she would ever want to do. Well, I mean, there are other customers. Is there some way I can help her? Okay, okay. 17 with disadvantage. Nice. Really? Ha! Okay. All right. <laughs> so she says this is highly irregular. And we greatly value the privacy of all of our clients, but, and she stands up and grabs a book off the shelf, which is not one that either of you two thought was going to be the book. <laughs> and she sets down this rather thin, but tall blue ledger and flips it open. And it is a meticulous set of highly well-documented monies in and out through the guild system. And she says, let's see, uh, this would have been this shipment here. And she turns the literature around, and you can see where they paid an amount into the guild, which, again, according to Conbardish and like Frikers, the amount should be zero. But they did not pay zero. They appeared to have paid something like 65 gold. And she says, and that's, that's the record, the transactional record that they came through the gates. Looking over the ledger as it's presented, can I see one of the, something like the payments to Chester? Yeah, the exact amount of the monthly payment made to Chester is listed there. She details everything in great detail, so there's only one on this whole page. But you can see it as money going out paid to Chester, and it says it's labeled Guild Dues. <laughs> I I give a knowing look left and right. All right, Boulain says to Mary, she says, out of curiosity, this comes from some questioning that we laid to like Frikers, do you have a copy of the original lock charter from which you operate the business? Oh, no, no, nothing like that. We're not history buffs here. Although, uh, Kaima's uncle might have some historical documents, if you ask him. We don't really... Before my tenure, the records were just a mess. I mean, <laughs> no, no offense to Kaima's uncle, but he didn't keep any records, ever. There's a possibility he inherited some? This is my shocked face. <laughs> All right. Well, this is part of building Friker's case against him, so we would need to get our hands on that document if it still exists. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think we would have anything like that. The South Lock probably also wouldn't have anything like that. I mean, the Lock's been here for, I don't know, 150, 200 years now. Hmm. It's possible... Astragar keeps some records, but to be honest, the real records are probably lost to the Thorns. Like, I imagine that copy is in Fenrir somewhere. Well, that is a hindrance to that piece of evidence. Hmm. All right. All right. Anything else I can help you folks with? I mean, zero is what's your move. <laughs> yeah, I, I glance over. I, I'll say, no, I, I think that we have what we need. Knowing, look at you two. <laughs> huh. I'll turn around to go out looking at the door. Is the door lockable on this side? Oh my god. By someone yes. without a key? <laughs> yes. Oh it has multiple lock options. Get ready for Looks flight. like it can be locked three times. One of the locks looks like it has this really complex mechanism on it that it flips locked really easily, but it must do something else because it's way too big for just being a lock. Trap. It's a trap. Yeah, you know, I, I guess <laughs> I would think so. So on our way back, I'm just going to quietly whisper, you all ready to cause trouble? <laughs> I suppose I can get there. My eyes look a little bit panicked, but I'm not saying no. We will follow your lead. I walk to the door. I lock the simplest lock. Great. Draw axe and turn around. Kaima, 
whose job is to be violent, I think it does not miss this cue at all. Sure. And immediately a pair of hand axes just appears. Mary seems to be staring at her desk. She hasn't picked up on any threat yet. Can I do a... Well, I didn't say I was going to hold an action. Can I do something? Currently, <laughs> a fight has not started. Okay. Right. Agreed. I would also like to do something. Two people have drawn steel and are staring each other down. If you start to cast a spell, that will start yeah. the combat. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but our spells are what I like to do. <laughs> I want to cast Hold Person on Kaima. Okay. Oh, we're doing... Okay, great. We're doing this. Okay. Yeah, I'm, that makes your decisions easy. You drew your axe and turned around. Usually only one thing happens after that. <laughs> I feel like you started this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the mid-roll. Here is your D&D &D tip of the day. To roll dice or to stat array? That is the question. When you make a new character, there are a few methods. In the olden days of D&D, &D, you rolled three dice. You added them together, whatever you got. These became your character's main stats, and they were in order. So, want to play a fighter? Well, you got a strength of three. Good luck fighting. Fast forward several editions, and today we have three main methods. The first is to roll four six-sided dice, take the lowest dice and toss it away, and then add up the remaining three. This method is prone to wild swings from scores of three to scores of 18, and you get to then assign them wherever you wish. So perhaps you rolled a five and you want to be a barbarian. I guess we can put that in charisma. Big improvement, right? I recommend this method for games that last one to three sessions. Why not more? Every table I have played at that uses this method usually produces one or two characters way, way, way more powerful than anyone else at the table, and one character way, way less powerful. This can be kind of funny and even fun for a little bit, but over the course of a multi-year campaign or something, this just isn't fair. Some DMs have created house rules to try to mitigate this risk. And these house rules are usually re-rolling, allowing people to try for a couple of sets and to choose the best one, or to re-roll ones that come up. That way you increase the odds of a more powerful character and eliminate some of the chances of having one way less powerful character. But there's a much easier way to do this, and it is to use one of the other two methods. The second method is called point buy. You spend points to get higher stats. The higher the stat, the more the points it costs. Spend too many points on one stat, now you have to have eights in the rest. This method ensures that all characters are equally balanced, and if you want more powerful characters, then you just add points. Gambling addicts may not like this method as much, but I recommend it for basically every game. Because it's fair, and it's customizable. The last method is called Stat Array, which is the most boring, and also the most fair. You're given six numbers, you assign them to the spaces you want them to be in. Why is it the most fair? Because it limits the ability to optimize and also the ability to fail to optimize. Meaning that if you have different tabletop strengths playing at your table, like someone's way into role-playing, one person's a min-maxer that wants to roll those dice and hit those good numbers, these people are roughly on the same footing when it comes to participating in combats. So, what should you do? Well, stat array never fails.
Point buy gives you some flexibility, and rolling dice is an exercise in inconsistency. But a few people really eat that stuff up. Okay, let's get back to it. Kaima gets a 13 on the DC for hold person. Oh, damn. 12. I think your DC is only 12 because you're still a baby low-level cleric. baby priest. Yeah, so Kaima is not, but that will start initiative. So please give me everybody initiative roll, please. You get seduced uh, by a wild alligator. Uh, the person who's attuned to the bow has advantage. Oh, that's right. I, I, do, I do like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> with your axe? Uh, you don't have to now. Yeah, you tend to talk my... without your axe out. <laughs> So I'm just saying I'm serious. Not 20, baby. 22 <laughs> on my initiative. I got a 9. I got an 8. Okay, so the order is going to go Creedon, followed by Mary, who is aware now that a spell has been cast, Kaima, who is next in line, and then, I believe, Zulane and then Creedon, right? Or Zerus. Creedon first, then Zerus and Zulane. Okay, so Creedon, what you doing? I am going to cast Suggestion on Kaima. And okay. I am going to say, you should yield to us. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> she gets an 11. You keep saying yield. <laughs> I mean, we wanted to surrender, right? Okay, you will, you will surrender to us then. Okay, she gets an 11. That's a failure. Yes. And yes, this is concentration, but she's going to pursue the course of action to the best of her ability. Okay. For Mary's turn. She pulls what looks like a perfume bottle oh, off the perfume shelf and then slams it into the ground. And the room fills with a choking, noxious gas. As long as you are attacking inside the choking, noxious gas, you have disadvantage. And it is super hard to see. You have about five feet of visibility. And the whole room is covered? And the whole room is covered. And then with the rest of Mary's turn, you don't know what she does. You can't see. Get the ledger! Kaima says... Mary, we should surrender. I think they've got the upper hand. And I believe Zerus. Mm, okay. <laughs> Since much hasn't happened yet, and there's no real combat going on, can I listen? Yeah. Mostly what I want to hear is if a door opened or closed after mm -hmm. Mary threw the potion. Okay. Roll me a perception check, please. Would love to. We've scored a nine. You did not hear any indication of anyone leaving the premise. Okay. How far away is the desk? It's not a huge office, so I mean, Five two feet. strides <laughs> from the desk. Great. So, first step, I'm going to step up to the desk, look for the ledger. Yeah, you grab down at the desk, there's a book, you have a hold of it, it's the right one. Great, okay, I'm going to secure that first as my interact with object. Okay. Then I'm going to step over the desk to where I thought Mary was, and I'm assuming she's not there. She is not there, no. Okay. In that case... My spa day. <laughs> no, we still have the spa day. We're still day. getting the spa day. She's not going to go to Chester. It'll be fine. I'm angry. You always are. Can I try to make one more listen to see... And this is to get north, east, west, south on someone who's not Kaima. Basically, okay. I'm trying to listen for Mary. Roll me your perception, and I think this is going to be it for your turn. Okay. Can I move after this, or is that that's going to be the end? I'm just trying to get to her. That's a 19. A 19. Okay. So you circle the desk. You look around. You grab the thing off the desk. You shove it in a backpack. And with the last couple of seconds, you realize that Mary is under her desk. 
and that she has a knife, and it's headed for your foot. Okay. But that is probably your turn. She will not get sneak attack, because you have spotted her. As long as I'm standing next to Mary, that sounds amazing. Blaine. Blaine is going oh, to- rage. <laughs> Done. Once I spot her, I'll, I'll rage, yeah. Now, Blaine. Okay, Blaine doesn't know that Zerus has found Mary, and she can't see anything, so she is going to cast Fairy Fire on the room. 20-foot cube. Everybody inside of it. Yet. You can make a deck save to not be affected. Okay. Is this going to show up outside of the room, though? No, it's going to be contained in the room because of line of sight, but everything in the room is going to be lit up. Mary is glowing, but she's under the desk. Kaima is glowing, but she is on top of the desk. Both of them have failed. I need Zerus, Creedon, and Boulaine. You hit yourself. I have to save against myself? You do. Okay. Which type of save? Deck save. Mm, 13. 12. My DC is 12. So 12 and 13s both pass. I scored a 14, so I pass as well. Zerus also passed. So both bad guys are lit up, and also the desks and books are lit up. But, you know, that helps. That will eliminate the disadvantage created by the smokescreen. Which brings us to Creedon. You've got a good view of Kaima. You do not have a good view of Mary, who is under a desk. But there's some glowing coming from under the desk. I'm going to attempt to... Persuade Mary, I think, and say, Mary, you should listen to Kaima. We have some evidence of your wrongdoings, but this doesn't have to get violent. Surrender to us, and we can resolve this another way. (laughs) Roll me persuasion. Non-natural 20. Mary, whose turn is next, does not stab Zerus in the foot, and instead stands up holding her weapon out from under the desk. She's, Zerus, she's practically touching you. You are... So close. And she says, okay, fine, arrest us. Which brings us to Kaima, who says, yeah, yeah, live to fight another day. That's important. Zerus, you're angry. Uh, Okay, I'm going to make a wisdom save real quick. That's what we're going to do. Just angrily tie them up. (laughs) (laughs) Just get the axe. Roll is a nine. I attack. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Roll with a standard attack. I'm actually going to go ahead and recklessly attack her. Okay. You have advantage then, because the fairy fire is canceling out the smoke screen. And it's Mary that I'm attacking. Okay. Two 12s. They're both 12, which means I'm actually going to score 17 to hit. Okay. Mary is not wearing armor, so her AC is easily below that. 15. Okay. Yeah, you hit her with an axe. Yup. She appears to be alive. Sorta. I'm going to just growl, get on your knees. Dang. <laughs> Boulaine. Dang, dude. Mary's still alive? Yes. Well, and conscious, I guess. Yes. Okay. Boulaine is going to move so that she's behind Kaima, and hopefully Kaima can't see her. And she's going to hold an action. If Kaima moves to attack, she's going to reach out and grab her and cast Inflict Wounds on her. Okay. You are preparing to attack Kaima. If she attacks. As a reminder, that will spend Inflict Wounds either way. Just to remind you. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Okay. If Kaima takes any damage, suggestion is over. Yeah. Also, as a note, it's actually 17. I forgot about the plus two bonus from Rage. So it's 17 damage. Great. That's going to bring us to the top. Creedon. Oh, gosh. Creedon doesn't want to kill these people. They surrendered. I guess I'll I'll shout out to my companions for an answer. Is violence what we're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Can I... 
There's a bear shit in the woods. <laughs> I want to. I want to prepare an action. Okay, I do want to prepare to shoot off an eldritch blast at Mary. Should I get a yes or should I get a yes? <laughs> okay, Mary is going to because you recklessly swung. She has advantage on her attack. She does roll an at twenty. I do not have fairy fire. You don't have fairy fire. So she will roll regularly. So she will roll regularly. So she will not crit. She will instead get a 18 to hit. That definitely got me. Okay. So this is not a sneak attack because you are standing in front of her. So three damage from the knife. Is that already halved? No. Okay. So you will take one damage as you are poked. <laughs> However, I need a constitution saving throw. Oh, God. Absolutely. Of course. You're probably pretty good at that. Not as good as you'd think. Huh. Eleven. Eleven is insufficient. Rolled an eight. You are stabbed with an exotic poison from around the globe that someone bribed her with at some past date for 31 poison damage. Oh my god! Did that drop Zerus? It does. Oh, oh shit. Oh shit. Can I use my ready to action then? I mean, that wasn't a yes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, I want to Eldritch Blast. Do I roll with this advantage then? But, no, she's very fired, so you roll advantage. Okay. Okay. That is a 16 to hit. Yep, that hits. She has no armor. And I do 8, 9, 10, 11 force damage. Okay. How do you massacre her? Oh. Oh. With a giant kiss-shaped pink beam. <laughs> I mean, it just smacks her in the forehead, and I guess she goes backwards. Okay. She collapses, bleeding on the floor. Kaima continues to try to surrender. Okay, Creighton is, like, gesturing at Berlaine, like, uh, Great, <laughs> great. <up. laughs> I believe Zerus is first, oh, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, cool, yeah, hold on, let me just make a death save here. We got a seven! Okay, that's one failure. Now, Bulane. Bulane will cast Spare the Dying on Mary, and as a bonus action, <laughs> she is going to cast Healing Word on Zerus, and he gets the full eight. Okay. Zerus, you are now at 8 HP and awake on the floor. Mary is now stable. You are having some sort of full-body allergic reaction. It feels like your your skin is on fire from head to toe, but you are alive. And Bulane will say to Kaima, put down your axes, please. Kaima has dropped to her knees and is set the axes down on the ground. Are we leaving initiative, or is... <laughs> I mean, I would like to be in initiative because I want to tie Kaima up before her head gets chopped off by Zerus. Okay. Hopefully before, or I'm going to make it extra easy. Roll me sleight of hand. Okay. I do try to kick the axes away before I try to tie her up, just to okay. get yeah. some distance. 17. Okay, yeah, you, you got her tied up really good. And Bulane will look at Zerus and be like, whoa there, tiger. <laughs> I'm good. We have them. Yes, we do. I got a little carried away there. Creighton runs up to Zerus and attempts to push him, but he doesn't move and is... What the hell, Zerus? They were surrendering! You're supposed to show people mercy when they surrender! What is wrong with you? Creedon, open a window, please, so we can clear the smoke. Uh, yeah. Is there a window? <laughs> I was a little too prepared for battle. You always are. We need to talk about how to get them out of here without rousing the entire guild, because I do not think we are going to be able to walk right through that warehouse with them arrested in tow. The warehouse was practically empty. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It was empty. We don't know if it still is. And you didn't do anything too loud. You might be able to just arrest them. Shockingly, Kaima the Axe goes without a fight. Mary's unconscious, so we have to carry her. 
I'm fine carrying her, but I would like a top up. Is there a window? There is a window. Okay, I want to open that to clear the smoke and then double check that we have the right book. You do. Okay, I was, I didn't trust you. <laughs> Fair enough. He keeps up saying, yeah. like, the object. We didn't actually see him grab the book. Mm -hmm. We probably mm -hmm. just see that it's gone, and Zerus will need to show us that he's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will point out one thing. On this shelf of perfumes from around the world, there are three jars. There's one that looks exactly like the one she smashed, which is a noxious smoke bomb. And there's one labeled with a skull and crossbones, which you imagine is a dose of the poison that just dropped Zerus. So, you know, if you want to loot something... <laughs> There's some loot. I would like to both take a perfume and that. I will not look as I fuss with Mary. Excellent. Mary also has a giant coin purse on her. Bulane will pick up Kaima's axes and turn those over to Zerus. I'll confiscate everything that's not clothing on the two individuals. Okay. You find hidden knives on both of them, but <laughs> you can get them. Pass them all to Creedon, honestly. <laughs> dump all of the knives on me. I'm like, yes. What should I put down for this poison? Is there like a specific name? This is a dose of wyvern poison. Okay. If you use it, it's con save DC 15 or take 7d6 poison damage. Holy shit. And what perfume did I get? It smells like whatever you want. It's an exotic perfume from around the world. Uh, you pick. It smells like honeysuckle. All right. You have a honeysuckle perfume. Can I get a stronger heal? Yes, you can get a stronger heal. The lane will cast Cure Wounds on him, which I gotta roll for because you're not at zero now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just rolled a one. Every little bit helps. So that's gonna be three or five? That's gonna be five. <laughs> okay. I hold out a potion of healing that we have from the recovered goods, and I like raise my eyebrows. Do you want it? I'll take it and belt it for now. Okay. I am going to only have one then. I say we just walk out. With them in tow? Well, I'll, I'll have Mary over my shoulder, but or in my arms, actually. But for Kaima, let's just walk her out casually. Honestly, I think like you own the place is the right attitude every time. We should tie up Mary as well, even though she's unconscious. You know, she could come too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Do we need to slide a hand for that as well? No, don't worry about it. She's not going to oppose that. Because she's unconscious. Is the warehouse relatively clear when we open the door? The warehouse is empty. Out we go. We go straight to the jail. <laughs> you leave in a way where no one from the lock gets any sort of visibility. You go straight to the jail. Honestly, no one seems to pay you any mind. So you get to the jail. All right, Bardish. Let's fill the next cell. Bardish opens the door for you and says, thank you very much. Closes it, locks it, and says, evidence? We have it. We have the ledger. We have the other ledger. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So here's the evidence. We're going to keep the ledger for now, but... No, that's all right. He looks through it and says, this is enough to hold them. And he pulls out a piece of paper and says, do you mind if I just take some notes here really quick? Please start the paperwork. He, he spends a good five minutes actually jotting down different figures from the ledger, flipping through the pages and going, this is great. <laughs> I love him. Money says, I'll get working on the paperwork. Move at whatever speed you find appropriate in dealing with the rest of your issues in town. Apparently, we don't know any other speed but one. <laughs> <laughs> Surely there could be a lesson learned in this. <laughs> I think actually some relaxation's in order. What do you all think? I think I could handle a bath. 
Conbardi says, if you would like, I can present this evidence to Mav. He could make the arrest. Not yet. Right now. Not yet. Okay. I will trust your judgment. I have been promised. I guess we could just go crash this house and spot A ourselves, though. Honestly, I don't care. As long as I get it. <laughs> we can arrest him now, as long as I can be in his house. This is true. If we arrest Chester, isn't Bardish in charge at that point, and he could let us take a bath in Chester's house? Technically, Captain Mavlakarak would be in charge, but I doubt very seriously he would stop you from using the pool. Sure. Let's do that. All right. If everyone's all right with skipping the offered hospitality and just taking it, then we can do that route and then get a day with the manor. <laughs> Khan says, all right. He stands up. I'll do the paperwork when we get back. Let's go get Captain Mav. He's on guard duty at front of Chester's house. All right. And he points to a couple of guys who are coming in the door. He says, you three are with me. Most important job of your lives. Let's go. And they assume a really uh, strict stance and march behind Conbardish. And he says, you guys coming? Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. This is going to be great to watch. Our camera follows a scene of our heroes, with evidence in hand, surrounded by officers of the law. Chester is pulled from his pool, looking smug. In the next view, Chester's taken away and locked in the town jail. In the museum of Chester's house, Zerus takes a black porcelain hawk and smashes it, revealing a golden animal covered in gems. Boulain is seen pulling additional evidence from shelves. Creedon and Zerus are each seen talking to Con Bardish. As the camera pulls back, we see Zerus and Creedon relaxing in Chester's spa. Creedon with cucumbers on her eyes, Zerus with his chessboard. But where is Boulain, who has never been seen, not covered from head to toe? Then we spot her alone behind locked doors in a tub. Her back exposed shows a variety of elven characters which say Vana Ulare, or Ghost of Youthful Beauty. And that is our show today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes, and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. Special thanks to Troy Christensen, the original author, of the town of Hylock in D&D lore. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review, and with that, our heroes close the case and move on to the next town next time on Carrots and Suffering.